turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Extremely excited to have this next guest on. He is always making news. He's always fighting for freedom. He's always exposing things inside the FBI and in the administrative state that should concern all of us because of their impact on freedom. Joining us right now, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Well, good to be with you, John, and uh, appreciate those nice remarks. But um, you, you, you could say the same thing about yourself. You're always out there getting getting facts and truth to the American people, and we appreciate that. It's kind of funny how much truth we've been denied over the last several years, and now that Republicans are in control, we're finally getting. Isn't that the, isn't that isn't that accurate? It's like, yeah, if if we don't get the majority, we don't. None of this, none of this stuff gets gets public. And 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 here, here's one thing, John. If I could just jump here to start. We're making a difference because two and a half weeks ago, the IRS announced they will no longer be sending agents unannounced to American people's American citizens home. That is a huge win for freedom. Like this idea that the Gestapo, the IRS folks are going to knock on your door and unannounced and tell you got some. That's one. One we had one situation where an IRS agent showed up at a constituent of ours door and and used an alias, said he was somebody else. And she thought it was a total scam. Now, the, uh, the, so the IRS, but for us making this public and, and pushing back on what we, we saw here with Taibbi and with this situation, they don't decision. And that is a win. That's one of the things that the, uh, Republican majority, good people in the press like you guys getting this out there is, is actually different. It is. And you know what? Everybody wins. Democrat, Republican, independent with these changes. It just makes us a better country. And, and it shows that oversight done well, which is what you have done so well. It makes a difference for everyday Americans. It isn't some theoretical exercise in a marble hall in Washington. It actually changes things for the better for people. I want to dial in on something that you're working on today. I think it may be one of the most important issues of our time because I think the Fourth Amendment is increasingly in grave danger in the way the FBI has assumed powers. You have done some great oversight work on geofencing phone data, basically using the location data of Americans to figure out whether any crimes were committed without having a predicate. Tell us what you've done, the letter you've sent to the FBI, and why it's so important to freedom. Well, it's just that we we know that uh, regarding January six, a couple of years ago, that the the FBI was looking to get your your phone data location where where you were in 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 relation to the Capitol, where you were around the Capitol, and it was just sort of this blanket approach, no no predicate to say you know Sally Smith or John Jones was 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 here. We have reason to believe they they did this. We'd like to know. We want to double check that. Nothing like just a blanket. And then you couple this with what we learned from a testimony from a whistleblower at the FBI a few months back where Bank of America just turned over their customers uh, debit card and credit card purchases in the in the in the D.C. area around January 6, 2021. I mean, this is scary stuff. And it's 
it's so contrary to the principles that, that our country was founded on. Like you can't just have the government sweep up everything about you trying to find out if you did something wrong. That's not how our system works. But it sure looks like that's what's happening in, in modern day America, particularly with this uh, this Biden administration. Yeah. And you go back in. In fact, I found this on the congressional congress.com at constitution.congress.com. When you go look to the founding of this country, the Bill of Rights, the Fourth Amendment specifically, our founding fathers had this grave concern that in British law, there was a thing called general warrants, meaning you didn't have to have probable cause. You could issue a warrant, look for anything, and maybe then you'd find a crime. They explicitly rejected that. And when you see in, in these phone warrants is they don't have a predicate. They don't have probable cause. They're looking for everybody. And then maybe they'll find a probable cause there. Is this something that ultimately is going to get addressed in legislation or does it need to go through the courts as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we'll, there'll be legislation introduced that you take the Bank of America. You've you got to have a warrant to get this information. You just can't be turning it over. Uh, same thing here. There's got to be a specific warrant. That That is our system. That is what this country was founded on. Um, you, 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 I mean, they just think it's, it's, would, would Sam Adams think this is OK? Would John Adams, would George Washington, would any of the any of those great Americans who started this experiment in liberty we call America, the greatest nation ever, would they approve of what 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 we're seeing? Um, so, yeah, we're going to we will pursue legislation. And frankly, as, as we've talked about before, we'll also look at the appropriations process and how we can how we can use the power of the purse, the power of, you know, the, the, the appropriations and, and where Americans tax dollars get spent and how they get spent. To, uh, to influence this as well. Yeah, this is so important. These are uh, seminal issues. The FISA reform, another one. Between FISA, general warrants, and bank records, we could have a much different looking Justice and FBI Department in a year with, with the work you're doing. I want to flip to another one because of all the things that I've written in the last year, this one has bothered me the most. Now, I'm, I'm in self-disclosure to my audience. I'm Catholic. But the anti-Catholic memo, the people who practice Latin mass somehow are extremist memo, it was portrayed by the FBI when we started. Oh, an isolated incident wasn't approved. Yesterday, you dug up some really jaw-dropping information that multiple FBI offices were involved in this. Once again, the story the Bureau gave us doesn't seem to add up when you get the facts. Yeah, they told us it was a, kind of a one-off thing. Just the FBI field office, Christopher Ray testified. He was appalled. He was aghast. He immediately withdrew the memorandum. Um, and that was the story. But we, we, the, the memo we got, and again, this came from a whistleblower. The memo we got uh, from that Richmond office of the, of the FBI was heavily redacted. And we kept saying, we want, the, we want the unredacted version. We kept pushing. Finally, we had to threaten contempt um, before they would turn over a less redacted. There's still some redactions in the newest version, but less redacted. And we learned, well, Shazam, it wasn't just the FBI uh, field office in Richmond who was involved. There were other field offices who were contributing to this effort. And it was it was simply, as you described, John, is if you were a traditional Catholic, if you were a pro-life, pro-strong border Catholic, you were viewed as an extremist. You were a radical. And they were looking, the FBI was looking for ways to develop sources, to spy on you, to to watch you inside the church, inside the parish. I mean, it was, it's just wrong. It's, again, we're talking about the first right mentioned in the First Amendment, your freedom to practice your religion the way you want. And that's what they were going after. And we now learn it was broader than they told us. And, and maybe last, the thing that I think is just as troubling is, why did they redact the, the, the line that talked about the Portland field office? Why did they do that? There's no reason to do that, to redact that name in that office. Why did they do that? Uh, so the fact that they were hiding stuff from us, at least as it appears, 
I think is particularly troublesome. And that's that's one of the questions we have for Mr. Rett. You have a lot of evidence now that the stories that the FBI, the Justice Department, Chris Ray himself personally have offered your committee as you peel the onion back. You keep finding out they're not willing to give you the truth. That's a real problem for Congress. You can't do oversight. You can't make informed decisions if you constantly are getting half-truths and it takes a year to process and get real truth. Is there a message to be sent to the FBI in the appropriations process that will exact some sort of punishment for the FBI for this sort of evasive and at times really truly misleading testimony answers, redactions that they've been meddling with Congress? Yeah. No, I, I would say three quick things. It's a great question. One is you're not going to get a new headquarters. We're not going to appropriate the money for a new headquarters. That's ridiculous. Uh, two, we will use the, uh, the the power of the purse to say no money can be used for certain things. Particularly, um, we think it's, it's appropriate to say that we will not allow any type of money to be used in any way to censor American speech. And then third, we, we're working with Senator Paul to introduce legislation that says if you are a government uh, you work for the federal government, and you are involved in any way in censoring American speech. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your pension. You could use your security clearance if you have it. And frankly, uh, we we want to have language in that legislation which says uh, you can bring a civil civil right of uh, civil cause of action against someone who violated your First Amendment liberty. So um, we're we're looking at all three of those avenues as a way to stop this from happening in our country. Those are big, big reforms. They're going to be well received in America, I think, after all we've learned. I want to finish up with Joe Biden, because I think we're at a moment now where the evidence becomes clearer and clearer. First off, that what we were told in 2019 wasn't true. What we were told in 2020 wasn't true. Heck, what we were told just a few months ago by Joe Biden wasn't true. (laughs) They've kept up alive for a long time. But when you look at the behavior now, James Comer yesterday puts out these new reports and you see big money comes in. Then they get a meeting with Joe Biden arranged through Hunter Biden, the Cafe Milano dinners. It's starting to look a lot like this was a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act operation. We've seen it used against other people, but for some reason it didn't seem to fall here. Is there some evidence now that this was an illegal lobbying operation and that Joe Biden was the dangle to get his family the money from these sort of unsavory foreign characters? Well, that sure looks like what the evidence is is, is now beginning to show. Uh, I mean, it was it was dinners. It was phone calls. It was over 30 meetings that Joe Biden had just with one of Hunter, one of his son's business partners, Eric Sherwin, uh, some of those meetings take place at the White House. Some of them take place at the vice president's residence. Uh, and those are just ones we, we we know of, have a record of. So you got dinners, you got phone calls, 20 phone calls where he's put on the phone in front of clients, in front of his uh, partners. Uh, and then, of course, these 30 some uh, meetings that take place with with a business partner. I don't think, as as someone said, I don't think they're just talking about the weather. 30 plus times, all those phone calls and these dinners that are, you know, hour long, hours long dinners with with foreign nationals here. The, the, the Russian oligarch, the wealthiest woman in Russia in one of those dinners in, at the cafe. Yeah, Batarina. Um, so the uh, it is starting to pile up. And then you couple all that with what the Justice Department tried to do in saying they weren't going to press charges in the years that dealt with Burisma, which I think is the biggest troublesome area that the Biden business operation has. Um, and, and, and the judge was having none of this, saw through the, the ridiculous plea agreement that they tried to run through. Um, you pile it all together, and it's like, wow, this is serious stuff that was going on. And our, our, our focus, our duty, 
is to continue to do the work, continue to get the facts. And the speaker has been very clear. If, in fact, we need to move to an impeachment inquiry phase of this investigation, we will do that. Yeah, that's it. And where do you think we are in that process? Is there a piece between here and there where a select committee does some more gathering? Do the oversight committees just keep on the path they are until there's enough evidence to make a decision? Well, it's the path to deciding whether impeachment is a reasonable opportunity. I think there are, I think there are three things here. One is the, the oversight committee is going to continue to, to, to dig and do their work. Two, we are going to talk with – we want to talk with the 11 people in the Justice Department who were critically involved in the Hunter Biden investigation – uh, we, we think we, we think that's important. And then three, frankly, I think we want to see what the judge says here in two weeks when that 30 day frame, a uh, time frame from when they try to get the plea agreement done back in July. And now in, in two and a half weeks from now, when they have the next uh, 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 hearing, uh, if they're what that plea agreement looks like, if there is one. So I think that's an important variable, too, because if, if they finalize this, then the Justice Department can no longer say, oh, we've got an ongoing investigation. We can't come talk to Congress. Then we're at, a, we're at a point where we can talk to these 11 people to justify, including David Weiss, the U.S. attorney. We, we want to talk to all of them. Yeah, that's really important. One last thing, because it was a big moment Monday. I don't want to lose sight of it. The Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Federal Government, you've done such great work there, filed an amicus brief uh, on the Biden administration's real system of censorship. We keep learning more and more about it. Very big statement for Congress to join that lawsuit. What do you hope comes of that with the judge? Well, that, that suit was so good, and, and, and you know, uh, it came out on July 4th, as I thought was so appropriate, talking about how the Biden administration and all these agencies have been censoring America's speech. So we wanted to join in. Um, the, the opinion written by the court was so strong, 80-some pages of facts where the government, the Biden administration, was involved in limiting Americans' First Amendment free speech rights. So uh, we wanted to be a part of that, um, particularly now some of the things we've learned in the Facebook files with, with Facebook, what the government was trying to get Facebook to do. Uh, scary stuff. So we're, we were we were we got that done, I think, late on Monday and we got that file. Yeah, there's a great line in here that the Biden administration has distorted the free marketplace of ideas, including even trying to ban memes and jokes. Such a remarkable document that you guys filed in that court. I'm sure it's going to have a significant impact. Mr. Chairman, always great to have you on the show. We always learn a lot. We're going to be keeping a close eye on that geofencing phone data thing. That's a big Fourth Amendment issue, and I'm excited to see what Congress does with it in the next few months. You bet. Thanks, John. Thanks for all your good work. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.